trauma healing learnings based on one mom's journal entries recorded in real time from a catastrophic event with her son that you've been listening to in the blink of an eye story. Trauma Healing Learnings, Season 2, Episode 12, Mounting Pressure. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Hello, everyone. I hope you are well today. Thank you for liking us and commenting on our new Instagram posts. Each week, we share bonus content and other expansions on trauma healing. Keep your eyes peeled for a special Instagram giveaway when we hit 25,000 downloads. It's amazing. And I love hearing from you. So please keep writing me at louise at blinkofaneyepodcast.com. I want to talk about pressure today. And I'd like to devote two trauma healing learnings to our discussion about pressure because the experience of pressure and overwhelm is so real for so many of us. So today I'd like to focus on the human experience of pressure and conflict. The hormones in the body that can balance us when we feel great stress and a few pressure relievers you may want to try. Next week, in Trauma Healing Learning 13, Establishing Ties, I'll focus on some tactical things we can do when under pressure and feeling overwhelmed in a hospital or intensive care unit or in any crisis that involves other experts with a specific spotlight on the role of emotions in high-pressured negotiations. So stay tuned. So let's start with a brief exploration of pressure. (laughs) Pressure. That tightness we feel in our brains. That shortness we experience in our speech. That low-level mounting feeling we get that gives us a stomachache that tsunami of emotions that can unhinge us. Pressure. It's often when we feel we are running out of time or that there is not enough of something, causing a feeling of great urgency. Or that feeling that we are in over our heads, that feeling something may go very wrong. We may feel intense pressure in our heads with headaches that throb or in our hands if we're trembling or in our knees that might feel weak or in our fists which might tighten or our mouths which might feel dry and even go slack or get very clenched. Shocking pressure causes some people to collapse, feeling out of control. 
an intense pressure causes others to muscle up and fight for control. We all feel pressure from time to time, right? Pressure is part of the crisis experience. Pressure is part of the conflict experience. And sometimes we live through times of ongoing pressure that might be over days or even weeks or even months. What precedes the above bodily responses is the very real and human experience of mental confusion and some degree of opposition to what is. This kind of mental confusion can trigger what is now recognized as brain fog because our bodies and specifically our guts are having a tough time digesting the pressure or the conflict. Our bodies and our thinking are very interrelated and symbiotic when we experience crisis and ongoing conflict or distress. Yes, we can make ourselves sick when we feel this type of stress. Indeed, the way we think and what we think can actually make us sicker. While the experience of stress impacts our thinking, our thinking impacts our stress. Stated another way, the way we think is directly related to the way our bodies respond. You might say, well, of course, I know that. But it's the corollary that is the real attention grabber. If the way we think can make us sick, then the way we think can heal us. Hmm. How is this, you might ask? Well, remember back in season one, episodes 22 and 23, when we talked about how the body knows the score? Well, our bodies, including our organs, our hearts, our pancreas, our bladder, just to name a few, and our feet, our breasts, our legs, our brains, respond directly to how we think and how we think and manage stress and conflict in our lives. As a conflict researcher and a transformative mediator and trainer for a few decades, it is about the experience itself of conflict and what we think about conflict and how we respond in a corresponding fashion that can determine our long-term health. It also determines our ability to problem solve. If this interests you, I'll share a quick thumbnail of relational conflict theory for you, and you can get more on our website, www.baltimoremediation.com. I like the interplay of relational conflict theory with hard science. When we experience stress in the body, it is the equivalent 
of an experience of conflict, mentally and emotionally. A surge of adrenaline races through our bodies. Our brains reroute the path of oxygen that would have been devoted to our thinking and problem-solving brain and sends it to our feet and hands. We call this an experience of fight or flight. And as we know more recently, also freeze and faint. As the oxygen to the brain is constricted, it sends messages to the body where the body believes based on ages old primitive human wiring that it is in peril and it goes into survival mode. I call the corresponding mental experience weakness and I call the corresponding emotional experience self-absorption. It was two colleagues, Bush and Folger, who first named weakness and self-absorption, but they did not tie the emotional experience, nor did they tie the corresponding physical experience of the body, both of which are key to understanding high conflict, crisis, and trauma. In that moment of weakness, or moments of ongoing weakness, people will often describe the experience as a feeling of pressure that causes them to feel a physical sense of urgency. This often causes us to act because the brain is sending messages to release shots of adrenaline through our bodies telling us to pay close attention, to be alert. In trauma, we call this the experience of hypervigilance. And so our thoughts get hijacked too and become narrowly focused, even suspicious on everything in a super vigilant state, which can trigger the emotional experience that feeds a constricted belief that others are against us or doing us wrong. People will also report a shutting down as they describe the weakness experience as if their thinking brains and corresponding bodies have gone numb. A great deal of physical pressure can cause numbness and cause us to have jumbled thoughts and incoherent thoughts, another aspect of weakness which compounds the hypervigilant experience such that the combined experience of confusion overload and physical arousal that can lead us to feeling overwhelmed. You know this, right? Of course you do, because you are human and I know it too. When we are in such mental states of weakness and emotional states of self-absorption, our bodies often experience greater distress, right? Yes, of course they do. For instance, we might get distracted and forget where to turn 
when we're driving. We might leave the stove on if we had been cooking or we might trip if we're walking on a sidewalk. We might not want to get out of bed. We might not be able to tell another what we just did the last hour because we are numb as we go about our day on habit and automatic. And this numb state, while we might not be able to make any decisions that require executive thinking or any thinking that is fresh or new. Indeed, most people, no matter how smart, well-traveled or well-spoken they are, have a difficult time making thoughtful decisions when they are in a state of overwhelm or pressure. This is ironic to me as a mediator because it is exactly when people are in most conflict that they come to use a mediator. But most mediation processes, if they're defined by getting to agreement, expect people to make what could be life-changing decisions, but they are in no such state to do so. And I think it's also ironic in the medical profession for the same reasons, since it is often when people are in great distress, when faced with a catastrophic injury or grave illness or debilitating disease, that hospitals expect them to give informed consent for life-changing procedures also when they're in such a state of intense pressure. Well, the good news is that people are capable of experiencing shifts in their conflict and pressure states where they can and do become stronger, clearer, and more responsive given the opportunity, the right intervention, and the right support. Knowing this, we can do much better now that we understand the conflict experience and brain science more and more. This irony was not lost on me many years ago when I abandoned transactional mediation where getting people to agree was the goal and chose instead to practice and foster relational shifts for people in conflict so they could make informed decisions. That means I focus on helping people surface the barriers so they can have authentic interaction, which reduces the overwhelm and restores people to their capacity to make their own decisions, which may be incremental and which may or may not be agreement but something more important to them. Being able to speak fully, being respected and understood. And the clarity that emerges, even if painful, is clearing and is good for all. A relational approach. Back to the feeling of pressure. Any approach that we can take to relieve pressure that understands 
this human experience of mental weakness and emotional self-absorption and ways to reduce it is a good approach. There are a number of things we can do to relieve some of this pressure that are good for us. There are some things we can do that are good for us and for others. And there are some things we can do that also further us along in our trauma healing journeys. While the good news is that most of us do not walk around in our day-to-day lives feeling hypervigilant or hyper-urgent or so overwhelmed and so confused that we are stuck at impasse or unable to make important decisions or to move forward with others. Sometimes we do. Some things you might do to tame the overwhelm or big stress or mounting pressure include daily breath work, daily prayer, daily meditation, daily walks, daily doing nothing for five minutes or daily doing nothing for 15 minutes like my acupuncturist reminds me to do. Or if your journey is to get out of the doing nothing of consequence most days, then your path is toward more engagement. Either way, it's a waking up to see reality as it is and believing it does not have to overwhelm us. Well, let me tell you another I have learned during this trauma healing journey that I am on that may be new to you. I learned it from my eye healer. The simple act of closing your eyes and focusing your attention on seeing the inky black in your imagination is another way to quiet the sensation of overwhelm. You can enhance this experience for your body if you rub the palms of your hands together to get them warm and lay them very gently over the occipital lobes of your eyes with your fingers laced together, resting on your forehead while your eyes are also closed. Try to position your elbows so they are supported and at rest too, and you get the full benefit. The sensation of warm double black is very restful, and it's very good for eyes that have been staring at computer screens all day too. Consider doing this for 15 minutes. If you can, try it for an hour. It's amazing. It takes my breath away to this day how refreshing this simple exercise is and how much it aids the body with recalibrating itself to a place of stillness and rest.
some of those ways are not new, but they can feel brand new and fresh, as if for the first time, like laughing when you are in the midst of a very trying situation. I bet you've had that experience. What a gift, right? Or how about taking a moment to play with your pet or a small child and really enjoying the moment, even when other aspects of your life are coming unglued? Or how about the times you connected with an old friend when life was upside down or looked into the face of a child or studied a flower or butterfly or insect up close even when there were urgent matters pressing on you. I know it's really wonderful when we do. Can't you just feel right now the smile that is crossing your face just thinking about these pleasurable and beautiful things? And we can make ourselves smile because of what we choose to think about. That's the mind-body connection again. Next week, we can talk more about pressure and how we can lean into the feeling of pressure in a medical crisis with some tactical strategies for when you or a loved one happen to be in a hospital or intensive care unit. As we close today and we think of our trauma healing journeys and the trauma healing journeys of others we know or love, consider committing to one relational way this week that you will reduce the stress and pressure in your life. Will it be more smiling, reading a book for pleasure, a walk, going to bed early, or sleeping in late, holding the hand of a child, getting an acupuncture treatment, watching a bird on your windowsill or in your backyard, or perhaps noticing the beauty of the eyes of someone you live with. Whatever it is, it's a relational way if it relieves overwhelm, is good for you and doesn't harm others. It might not change all of your difficult circumstances, but these small moments can resource us. Resourcing ourselves. That's right. What we can shore up and call upon in time of need with the turn of our attention to something beautiful. The brain can send a message that calms our bodies. Yes, the way we think is a resource if it replenishes us. Oh yes, with the way we think, we can create little oases of pause and allow our bodies 
to heal us. Crazy, isn't it? Even in the midst of our crises, we can thank the divine for creating such intelligent bodies and such a diverse world of beauty that together give us such respite and joy and relief. How beautiful and abundant life is. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. Thank you for tuning in to the Trauma Healing Learnings. You may tune in to the companion Blink of an Eye story at episode 12, Mounting Pressure. Thank you for listening. And thank you for telling your friends. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. For 28 years, Baltimore Mediation has served clients worldwide by facilitating negotiation breakthroughs, believing in their capacity for meaningful face-to-face dialogue. You can learn more at baltimoremediation.com.